This morning I came to talk to you, uh, first and foremost, about Psalm 88. Psalm 88. It's called one of the Psalms of Lament. And it's, it's unique among the Psalms of Lament in that it has no resolution. All the other Psalms of Lament end on a note of joy or a note of hope or um, some kind of light at the end of the tunnel, not Psalm 88. Psalm 88 ends without any resolution. I was joking with Martin before the service. I thought, you don't know me. I don't normally preach here. And it's the summer, so I thought I would just keep it light, you know, this morning and pick an easy psalm. Well, sorry to disappoint you. We're digging in deep here this morning. And a pastor friend of mine describes Psalm 88 like this. He he has a family, a, a friend of the family, and there's a brother and a sister, and they both uh, take piano lessons. And so they're uh, playing the piano around the house, and the brother loves to torment the sister. And so he'll play the last few chords, you know, of the song, but then he stops short, and he won't play that last chord that resolves everything. And she can't handle it. Wherever she is in the house, whatever she's doing, she has to stop and go and finish it, play the last chord. Um, it's as if you heard someone sing in the Star Spangled Banner and they, you know, they sing the end, um, the land of the free and the, and they just stopped. Like you can't handle it, like the home of the brave. Someone just say it. Well, Psalm 88 doesn't end that way. It keeps the tension. It doesn't have a resolution. And the amazing thing is that God has given us this psalm to give us the gift of hurting with God. What does it mean for me to hurt with God? That's what this psalm is all about. And so this morning, if you're going through something, and it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, if, if you have tension at school, tension in your family, tension at work, and it seems like there's no end to this, I don't know how it's going to end. This psalm is especially for you. And so I would invite you to read along with me as I read Psalm 88. This is God's word, and it says, A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah, to the choir master, according to Mahalath, Lineath. And what you need to know about those two terms is that we are not quite sure what those two terms mean. I know, profound. A maskil of, um, I know it's tempting to say He-Man for some of you, but it's Haman, Haman the Ezraite. That just means he's a descendant of uh, Ezra. O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you and climb your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more. For they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit. In the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. And you overwhelm me with all your waves, Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? 
Do the departed rise up to praise you, Selah? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors and I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Would you all pray with me quickly? Heavenly Father, we do pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together would be good and pleasing to you, Lord Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're talking about hurting with God this morning, and I want to look at three things with you. The first is, what is it? What is hurting with God? What's this gift of hurting with God? And the second is, what are the obstacles? And the third is, how do we get it? And so first, what is it? What does it mean to hurt with God? Many of you have heard the story of Oscar Schindler from World War II, who, through his business savvy and compassion for uh, the Jews, saved hundreds and hundreds of Jews from death. And to these Jews, he is considered their redeemer. And the amazing thing about Oscar Schindler for our purposes is that he could see what no one else could saw. He could see what no one else could see. And he could do that because Oscar Schindler, he didn't just see the nation of Germany. He didn't just see uh, national prosperity. He didn't just see um, saving his own neck, right, looking out for himself. But he saw human persons. He looked out and he could do what no one else could do because he could see what no one else saw. And that's what these were people. With stories and hopes and dreams. They were moms and dads and single persons, grandparents and granddaughters. And so he could do what no one else could do. The first thing in order to have the gift of hurting with God is that we've got to see what no one else sees. And that is our own souls. That's what Haman says that he can see. That's what he takes to God. Lord, it is my soul that I see and what's in there is sadness and anger. It's fear and shame. And God knows that our soul is often the hardest thing for us to see. We see our mortgage. We see student loans. We see homework. We see that boy or that girl that we have a crush on. We see our marriage. We see our career. uh, And we're anxious to get ahead or afraid it's all going to come tumbling down. We see in-laws and grandparents. We see all those things. And our soul, our own soul, what's going on in here is often the last thing that we can see. And to some extent, we all grew up in homes that didn't allow you to see your own soul, right? You weren't allowed to see that. You weren't allowed to feel it. Don't feel the, don't be angry. Stop being angry. Stop it. Stop it, right? Maybe we're allowed to be sad to an extent. But because we're fallen, even the best moms and dads, right? 
It's hard to give permission to your sons and daughters to see what's in here and to feel it and then to say, I need, I need something. I'm angry. But the amazing thing about Haman is that Haman comes to God and he sees what's in here. He sees the anger. He sees the sadness. And that's the first thing that you and I have to do in order to to receive this gift of being able to hurt with God. What's the second thing? The second thing is honesty. To be honest before man is a good thing. To be able to tell the truth about yourself to other people. To have the courage to tell the truth. You want humility, start telling the truth. You get humble really fast. But it's an even more amazing thing, an even more special gift. It requires a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to be honest with God about what's going on in there. What's going on in your mind and in your heart. No one else can see. God can see it and he knows. What does Haman say when he's honest? He says, I feel like I'm dead, God. That's what his prayer sounds like. God, I feel like I'm in a casket and you have closed the lid to that casket over me. God, I feel helpless. I feel alone. It feels like all my friends have left me. You ever felt like that? That you had no friends? You ever felt lonely? You ever been angry with God, but you were too afraid to say it out loud? Haman wasn't. He wasn't too afraid to go to God and say, Lord, I I am afraid. I feel like I'm dying. What would that look like in your life for you to pray like Haman? If if you and I prayed like Haman, what, what would it sound like? It might sound like this. Heavenly Father, I'm in a marriage that feels like it is crumbling apart. It's it's killing me. I I can't do it anymore. Or it might sound like this. God, my, my career is done. I feel like a failure at my job. No one cares about the things that I do. I can't do them well. God, if this keeps going on like this, I don't think I can take it with my job. It might sound like this. Heavenly Father, I don't know what to do with my children. I don't know what to do with my children. Or for you uh, younger folks, it might sound like, Heavenly Father, my parents are driving me crazy. And not just a little bit crazy, but I'm overwhelmed by how hard my relationship is with my mom and my dad. That's how Haman prayed. And that's how the Lord Jesus is calling us to pray to him. I'm overwhelmed. You ever said this to somebody? God will never give you more than you can handle. I've said that to to someone. It's not true. And Haman affirms that right here. Right? He says, your waves, they overwhelm me. A friend of mine says, you know, I can handle the water in a bathtub. I can handle that amount of water. I cannot handle the waves that overwhelm me. Haman is honest. He tells God about it. You overwhelm me, Lord. That's the second most important thing about being able to hurt with God is to see and then to be honest. What are you angry about? What are you sad about? What are you afraid of? The third thing is confrontation. Um, Psychologists who study what does a healthy human being look like 
one of the main things that you have to be able to do to be a healthy person is to be able to confront someone in a healthy way. And also to receive confrontation from someone else. People who don't have any maturity aren't able to confront, right? Because they're too scared to. Or they can't do it in a healthy way and they just bulldoze everyone. Everyone's afraid of them all the time. But the amazing thing about Haman is that he goes to confront the king of kings and the lord of lords and the one who made him. And what does that say about God? That God is able to receive confrontation from Haman. It says that God is strong and he's kind. And he's not ready to crush you when you go to confront him. But he loves it when you confront him. Now, make no mistake, Haman is not just kind of vomiting out all his feelings. You know, um, you ever had someone say to you, uh, you know, look, I, no offense, but you're just the dumbest person I've ever met. What? I mean, you know, we talked about how we're going to be more honest with each other. What? I thought this is honesty. I get to be honest, right? Is that what Haman's doing? No. He's not just doing his feelings. Doing your feelings aims at disconnection. Doing your feelings is running away from relationship. Haman wants to share his feelings with God, and he wants to confront God and bring it to him because he wants connection with God. He wants a relationship with God. He longs to be near to God, and so he confronts God with what he's got. And God says, bring it. Bring it on. I love it when you bring your anger to me. Come and tell me what you're angry about. Come and tell me what you're sad about. What are you afraid of? Come and talk to me about it. And this is not just self-loathing, right? This is not Eeyore, you know, uh, today's my birthday, not that it matters. Self-loathing equals self-destruction, right? Hurting with God equals healing with God. When you hurt with God, you heal with God. We have to see, and we have to be honest, and we even have to be willing to confront. And you see this most especially in verse 10. Do you, do you work wonders for the dead? He is questioning God. The Holy One of Israel, Haman, is saying, do the departed rise up to praise you? And the implied answer is what? No, they don't. From the Old Testament's perspective, and especially from this psalm, Haman is saying, if I die, if I'm overwhelmed by you, I won't be able to worship you anymore. To us, that would be something like, if I give up on following Jesus um, because my marriage is so hard, if I, if I just turn away, how am I going to worship you, God? If you overwhelm me, and notice that Haman doesn't just say, God, all these things are terrible things that have happened in my life. I know you don't have anything to do with that, but I wanted to come talk to you about it. I, I know you haven't, uh, you're, you're not sovereign over my life in any way. Uh, you would never bring hard things into my life, but I needed to come talk to you about it. Haman says, you have done this. Look in verse 6. You have put me in the depths of the pit in the regions dark and deep. Verse 8. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have done these things, Lord Jesus. Why? Why have you done this? And how will I live if this keeps up? That's Haman's prayer. Quickly, two obstacles to receiving this gift. And 
The first is rebellion. It's the first obstacle to receiving the gift of hurting with God. Counselors who study addiction say that if you want to get to the bottom of addiction, many elements to it, but if you want to get to the bottom of it, it's emotional dysfunction. Emotional arrested development, being unable to deal with your anger and your sadness in relationship and having to numb it with all these other things. That's very biblical. It's a very biblical idea. The Bible says that we were made for a relationship with God. And we were made to even take our hurts and our wounds to God. But what do we do instead? What do you do instead of taking your pain and your sadness and your hurt to God. You rebel against God and you numb it. You numb your feelings. I don't want to feel anger and so I'm going to stare at my phone. You cannot hurt with God while you're staring at your phone. Um, I don't want to feel sadness and so I drink way too much. Um, I don't want to feel guilt or shame anymore. And so I can't stop buying and spending more money than I actually have. I spend compulsively because I cannot feel these feelings. Keep them away from me. Um, why do we look at pornography? Um, why are we addicted to all manner of things? Like, why is the mass of humanity just obsessed with, like, something as, like, I know it's a part of God's creation, but, you know, why do we stare at Instagram all day long? I'm not poo-pooing Instagram in general, like, nothing inherently bad about it. But why are we obsessed with it? Because we don't want to feel. We don't want to pay the price to live in relationship with God, which would be to feel my sadness and to feel it with God and to hurt with him. But that's the only thing that will heal us, is to hurt with God. Second obstacle. First is rebellion. The second is religion. You ever said something like this? I grew up in the church. You ever said something like, well, look, that's just water under the bridge. Just, just move on. Um, look, it is what it is. Uh, you just got to forget about it. It is what it is. You know, look, just believe the gospel. Everything's going to be fine. Just, just believe the gospel. Um, oh, you, there's something hard in your life? Look, God works all things for the good of those who, uh, for the, God, God works all things for the good of those who love him. Are those things inherently bad? Of course not. They're, Two of them are from the Bible, right? Good things. Bible, God's word, I'm pro-Bible. However, the Pharisees used the Bible an awful lot to avoid God. The Pharisees used Scripture an awful lot to even avoid a real relationship with God, where they would have to hurt with him, where they would have to take their hurts with him. And man, can we miss this. The next time someone is hurting, and you're tempted to say, it is what it is. Sorry. Haman and the God of the Bible is longing us to move into their pain and to move into our own pain. Because what do you do when you slap like a bumper sticker verse on someone's pain or your own? You're saying, I don't want anything to do with your pain. Keep it away. Right? I don't want anything to do with my own pain. I can slap some Bible verses on my own pain too. We cannot receive the gift of hurting with God unless we can put down our rebellion, put down our religion, take our pain to God. C.S. Lewis summarizes it this way. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. 
Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Not even an animal. Wrap your heart carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your own selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. Your heart will not be broken there. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. So those are the obstacles. That's the bad news. What's the good news? And the first thing is community. How can we get this gift of hurting with God? We get it in community. What's the preface to this psalm say in the very beginning? That it's a song. Sung by Israel. In other words, this song would have been sung by Jews. Um, It would have been sung by Jesus Christ himself. Now, our worship doesn't sound a lot like this most of the time. There's some exceptions. That might be an important uh, question for you to ask. Why does it feel so weird to think about singing a a a song that sounds like Psalm 88? Why would that be so hard for us? But the first way that we get this gift is in community. We get it by coming together. You cannot learn to hurt with God unless you hear other people doing it. When you're in your small group, when you hear that other person say, Heavenly Father, um, I'm overwhelmed by my marriage and I don't know what to do. That's how you learn to hurt with God, by watching other people do it. And that's the amazing thing about even the Lord's Supper when we come together. Who's allowed to take the Lord's Supper? Can you come to the Lord's Supper if you're angry? What about if you're sad? Can you come take the Lord's Supper if you doubt that you're even a Christian? If you're feeling what Psalm 88 says, are you welcomed here? Presbyterians who for hundreds of years have um, believed in a doctrinal statement called the Westminster Standards. And in that document it says that even if you doubt your own salvation, if you're ready to cast yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ, the Lord's Supper is for you. Because Psalm 88 people are welcome at the Lord's Supper. Because this is a place where we can hurt together. It's also joyful. I'm not down on joy. Pro-joy. But it's also a place to hurt together. And to bring our anger towards God together. To bring our sadness. You can only get the gift of hurting with God in community. You can't do it alone. It won't work. But finally, we get the gift of hurting with God by getting the greater Haman. The greater Haman. For 2,000 years... Christians have celebrated something called Good Friday, which commemorates the death of Jesus Christ. And on Good Friday, there are two psalms, at least two, that are traditionally sung on Good Friday. Do you know what those psalms are? The two that are traditionally sung on Good Friday. One of them is Psalm 22. The other is Psalm 88. But why would Christians for 2,000 years sing Psalm 88 on Good Friday? Well, what do the prayers of Jesus sound like? Did Jesus pray like this all the time? Heavenly Father, thank you for the food, and we just thank you for this day so much, and we just pray that you would uh, bless this food and nourish our bodies, Heavenly Father, and um, we pray that uh, the whole gospel will be full of your glory. Amen. Now, that's not a bad prayer to pray. I know I prayed it a little flippantly, but that's not a bad thing to pray. 
But if you go days and weeks and months and years, and your prayers never sound like Psalm 88, then your prayers don't sound like Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of constant sorrow. What did Jesus pray on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was, Jesus was so afraid. He was so afraid that he sweat blood while he prayed. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus prayed like this, that he offered supplications with loud cries and tears. That's how Jesus prayed. What is Psalm 88 about? Psalm 88 is what you and I deserved. Psalm 88 is what all of us deserved. But Psalm 88 is what Jesus sang for us. He sang it for us. He experienced it more than Haman ever could. He experienced it more than you and I ever could on the the cross. Jesus sang Psalm 88 so that we could walk through this life, this veil of tears. And so that one day we could put down Psalm 88 and never sing it again. When he returns and we go to be with him in glory. When we'll be like soldiers returning home after a victory. We put down our weapons. We put down our weapons of spiritual warfare like Psalm 88. Because where we're going, we will not need Psalm 88 anymore. Never again. When we go to that place where there is no anger. There's no sadness. There's no death. And so, as we close today, I would just invite you to... To pray with me, if this sounds impossible, if you think, I, I see what you're saying about hurting with God, taking my pain to God, I don't even know what, like, what is step one here. I, I don't even know. If that's you, why don't you go to God and just tell him that? Go to the Lord Jesus and tell him, I don't even know how to hurt. I just rebel. I just get religion. I don't know how to have a real relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Where I can be safe to be angry and sad and afraid and ashamed. Let's go to God together and ask him to do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are distracted by so many things and obsessed with so many things. We can't put down our phones. We can't hurt with you. But Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be gracious to us and kind to us and merciful to us. Teach us how to hurt with you. Maybe especially how to do that with each other in community. Teach us how to be needy together. That we might get the thing that we long for, Lord, which is healing, to be healed. Help us to wait for that with you, Lord Jesus. Until our healing is complete. uh, When we see you face to face. We pray this in your name. Amen.